Welcome to the NBA Morning Deuce. We're back again. Alex, Joey, and, 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 that's right, there's an and. Tease it on Friday. You know, Alex, you worked in newsrooms, I worked in newsrooms. You know, like, how in a newsroom setting, there's these, there's just, like, always these ridiculous conversations about, it's just, if you're really into a certain sport, and then you start hearing conversations about that sport in a newsroom setting. You're like, God, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I, I got to go to my guy. I got to go to this, my guy, like my one person I can talk to, to, to rationalize this shit because what's being talked about, right? You know what I'm talking about, Alex? Of like, course. Our guest is a glue guy. He's a glue guy. He, in the, oh, in the he's newsroom. my guy. Well, if you need Lakers, if you need to talk Lakers, he's your guy, but he knows the league, right? But any time when I was when I was working at my old employer, when the shit in the newsroom got too annoying for me, I would go straight make a beeline to this guy's desk and be like, "Yo, can we have a can we have a real conversation about this?" He's and he's not just an NBA guy; he's the sneaker king, CBS Sports sneaker king. At Ruben Talks Kicks on Twitter, Ruben Palacios is here to talk Lakers with us. What's up, Rube? Dude, I'm super, super happy to be here with you guys. Uh, morning Deuce, this pod is amazing. If you don't listen to it every morning, you are crazy. So that's yeah. all I gotta say. Well, I almost felt, I almost felt uh, really bad about having you on tonight. Like we almost probably weren't gonna have you on after what just happened. So let's just let's get right into game two. Lakers end up winning 105-103. AD hits a buzzer beater, a three. To win it, Rube, what? Just, just take me through the emotions. You're not, I mean, you, look, let me preface this by it. Rube is a day one Laker fan, but he's not like one of these irrational fans where he's just going to give you some, he's just going to give you some bull about his team. And he's always, he's going to keep it straight with you about his team. And there's no one that knows this team more than Ruben. So take me through what was going on in the last. Let's just say what once Dwight Howard went to the bench. Well, I was calling for Dwight to go to the bench for a long, long, long time before he went to the bench because that same energy that he brought in game one was the same energy that was killing the team in game two. So I'm glad, I'm glad they finally went back a little smaller and got him out of there because he was, he was doing an awful job. He was falling for everything Jokic was doing. He was falling for every, every little move. And he was just putting them in bad, bad, bad positions. Um, but Anthony Davis, I'm so happy that the Lakers gave up the farm for Anthony Davis because this is what they gave it up for. This is what every Pelicans beat writer that claimed that the Pelicans would have a better record than the Lakers and all this nonsense. This is what it does. These are the moments where you need that type of player. And I'm glad he made that shot because honestly, I thought I thought Nikola Djokic was gonna steal that shine because he had a fantastic end to that game. That dude is legit. He is a legit weapon. You can never fall asleep on him. You can never fall asleep on the Nuggets. Um, that move, that set of moves that he put on AD the possession before, that's big time basketball. That's 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 high caliber play. He was he was making everything. You you wanted to get the ball out of his hands, but but AD AD hits big shots and he's been hitting big shots all playoffs. The dude is a playoff hooper. 
He, he, he averages damn near 30 points a game for his career in the playoffs. He's averaging over 29 points a game this playoff run for the Lakers. It's been incredible. It's pretty amazing, Alex. And I'm going to call this, this is a little bit of foreshadowing, but it's pretty amazing what happens when your team not really doing, your team doesn't look very good offensively, but your best players that know they can score whenever they want say, we're going to score. We're just going to go do it. We're going to put it on our back and we're going to do it. You know what I'm saying, Alex? And you yeah, know that's yeah. That that Ruben that has something to do with Jimmy Butler. I'm assuming coming you, you, up later. Is, wasn't that oh, good? Man. That's I'm, called. I'm, all right, it's not for shot. It's not. I wanted to be on here too. Oh my goodness! It's not, I, want, I it, want to know how you feel, Alex. Please, I want to know how you feel. It's not foreshadow. <laughs> it's not foreshadowing if you just give it away right after. I mean, you 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 uh you sugarcoated that one. It was too obvious where you were going with it. But um, <laughs> you know what's crazy? You want to talk about best versus best in in an NBA game? LeBron and AD combined for 57 points. Jokic and Murray combined for 55. Lakers win by two. Incredible. Um, man, I'm like, I'm bummed. I am bummed that the Nuggets couldn't steal that because this seems like a backbreaker. It seems like a total backbreaking shot that ends all this incredible stuff the Nuggets have been doing. I mean, I know they're still going to fight. Like, we've been talking, this team doesn't quit at all. So they're going to be in these games, but like, if they could have, if if they could have stole this one, I think the series would have gone from like exciting to like, oh, this is going to be an unreal series. But uh, man, I, I don't see how you turn. I, I don't see how you get that one back and uh, and pull out the series if you're the Nuggets. How I didn't think they were going to win in the first place, but it would have been amazing to be heading into this game three tied up one one. Yeah, I just it's different with the Lakers, right? Because first of all, it's LeBron, so. He just he doesn't he doesn't collapse like he's just not going to collapse. Particularly, we talked about this. It's just in his mentality, right? He's the guy who's on social, who follows the league, who sees everything and hears what people are saying, and he hears what people are saying about the Clippers, and he he's not going to let that happen to his team. And plus, they're so good defensively that when you just have two guys and. It didn't have to be both of them. Well, tonight it had to be both of them, but it doesn't have to be both of them every night. Like one or one night or the other, it can be one and one night or the other can be the other guy. And when your team is as good defensively as they are, it's gonna be it's gonna be so. I mean, Rube, you've seen what the Nuggets have done in the playoffs. I mean, obviously we know that, like Alex said, they don't give up, and they've been in they've been in these positions before. Is there anything about what you saw in, in this game in particular that would make you? even a little concerned that they could make a a run in the series? I mean, I I think this is going to be a series. I think just because they're up 2-0 doesn't mean that, you know, there's a sweep or a gentleman's sweep coming. Like, I think the Nuggets are just really good at basketball. Um, I think Mike Malone is going to come back and he's going to make some adjustments because he's going to hear about him putting Mason Plumlee in that game and subbing him out with those two seconds left. And Mason Plumlee blew that switch. He he completely gave AD a free run to the basket. You know, he, he stopped where LeBron was. LeBron wasn't even screaming, screening him, and he gave up that shot. There's adjustments that are going to come from the Nuggets. And the Nuggets pick and roll when they when they decide to stick with it. Sometimes they stray away from it, and that's that's kind of like a question mark for me with uh, Jamal Murray and Jokic. It's 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 nasty. And if they can keep attacking, if if Dwight and the centers aren't 
aren't a essential pieces for the for the Lakers moving forward. It's it's going to be an adjustment from from the Lakers, and it's going to be something that the Nuggets can take advantage of because they they stayed big in Game One and One. They decided to come to this game and remain big, even though there was a lot of kind of rumblings that they would go small, like how they beat the Rockets. So I don't think this series is over. I think the Nuggets, you know, the Nuggets might have had them where they wanted them today. You know, the Lakers had a 16-point lead at one point. They had a double-digit lead going into the second half. So I, I don't think I don't think this series is over at all. It's pretty remarkable how much trouble Dwight had in the sec- late in the second half guarding Jokic because basically from the second quarter of game one until the second half of game two, he was he was pretty dominant defending Jokic. Like Jokic, Jokic had 11 points in the first quarter of game one, um, on five of nine shooting. And then I think he finished, I don't even remember what he finished with, but I think he was only, I think he only finished with like eight points. I don't think until late in the fourth quarter, he even hit a three in the series. Um, I think it's probably just a testament to how good Jokic is that he figures out a way to adjust. You know what I noticed? Was he wearing a mouthpiece in game two? I, it looked like he was wearing a mouthpiece, and I don't remember him. I, I wonder if all the physicality he decided to wear a mouth. It looked like he was wearing a mouthpiece in game two. I don't know. I've never I mean, he noticed was, He was running wind sprints in the tunnel pregame, As, so yeah. he was trying, Yo, he was trying to you, hype himself up. Is that actually how he runs? Did you see that that like, that like shot of him sprinting down the hallway? He looked like... Oh, his, his hands were like <laughs> yeah, flailing. Like yeah, Ridiculous. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. I, I believe yeah. that he probably does run. Like when he's running full sprint like that, it's probably it. You know who else was, you know, it was like probably outside of, for the for the Lakers at least, outside of LeBron and AD, the truly, and it's, it's, a, it's not even a joke, the unsung hero of, the, of this team in game two is Caruso. His he like this dude, hustles his ass off. Dude. Well, his his energy and his defense, and he, he just makes plays, man. You know what? You know what? I'm just. It's just an he's he's Delhi. He's he's the new he's he's better than Delhi. He's better than Delhi. Well, he's, he's better than Delhi, and he's a way better defender than Delhi. Well, no, no, he's different because he's a freak. He's a freak athlete, right? But I'm just saying, like, this guy who when LeBron has no one else in the playoffs. He just needs like somebody has to step up, and this is the guy who's there for LeBron right now. You know what? What most people don't realize is, um, among duos in the NBA who played at least 500 minutes together this year, LeBron and Caruso have the best net rating of any two of, of any, any two of any two players that played at least 500 minutes together in the NBA this year. They had the best net rating. That's unbelievable in the regular season. You you this you guy, saw this coming. That might though. be my you know favorite what? stat you've dropped on here. On TNT, they were talking about Ernie Johnson being like the whole Ernie Johnson is Caruso's dad, uh, the joke. <laughs> but Ruben's yeah. like a proud papa watching Caruso step up in the playoffs because Ruben's been on the Caruso train since day one. This guy is legit. He and and it's and it's crazy. Because he's never he's never gonna be a household name and he's never gonna be that guy that gets the respect. It's kind of like that, you know, and rightfully so, people just get tired of the Lakers narrative and Lake everyone's always talking Lakers this and Lakers that. You know, the fifteenth guy on the Lakers is gonna be more popular than the fourth best guy on, you know, any other team. But this dude Caruso is he's he's really he's really about it. You know, he he brings a defensive energy that you can always count on. There's something to be said about having that asset where you can always bring something, you know, jump shooters, they go cold. 
you know, guys that attack, you, you switch up schemes and you, you force them to their weeks, your, their weekend. You force them to, to, to go to things that they aren't good at. You can't, you can't scheme hustle and you can't scheme, you know, defensive intensity out of a game. You, you just can't do it. And this guy plays the passing lanes as well as anybody in the league does. I, I'd like to know where he where he ranks in deflections because it, it seems like he gets, you know, three or four of those a game. He's valuable. And LeBron trusts him. For LeBron, I mean, for everyone to make LeBron GM jokes, if LeBron doesn't trust you, you don't last very long on, on his team. Totally. And this is one of the only dudes who lasted from last year to this year. Obviously, you know, the contract and all that stuff works out, but LeBron trusted this guy. This guy's playing big-time minutes in the Western Conference Finals. Like, this, this isn't the scrub that a lot of people like to make him out to be because, you know, he's balding and he just Cause he looks like a wolf. Because he looks like a scrub. I mean, he just, he looks... Yeah, he looks like he drives and a also, FedEx truck. You and know also, I mean? like, his like mannerisms, like... A FedEx truck. Even after the dunk, like, he, his man, like, his facial expressions, he just, he just looks like, he, like, carries himself like a scrub who can dunk on... Like, Jeremy Grant, I love you. I love Jeremy Grant. But you were in the league. You had to know what was coming. Like, and you didn't even try to block him. You just jumped in front of him like that was going to stop Alex Caruso from dunking on you. Yeah, Alex Caruso, the one thing that we know for sure about Caruso, even in, like coming out of college, if you if you followed, I mean, if you followed the draft or anything that year, he was a he was a free. I mean, he's a crazy athlete for what he looks like, which is Ernie Johnson's son, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, it just crossed crazy. my mind. He's like the exact kind of piece that the Clippers don't have, you know, just this guy that like, if you put him on the court, he is like, he played 29 minutes tonight and they were all max effort minutes, you know, and that can, that can win you a two point game in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah I'm glad you said that because Caruso is everything that people think Pat Beverly is. It's oh, just straight yeah. Up. We, we've been talking about Pat Beverly a lot. I will, I'm actually going to – I'm glad you brought up the Clippers, Alex, because here's one thing that is a, that got became a little concerning to me during this game about the Lakers. I love how engaged their bench is, but they were getting a little Clipper-ish during that game. Like, it wasn't just them celebrating because, like, the Heat are similar. Like, the Heat's bench, if you watch the Celtics – in that series, if you watch the Celtics bench and you watch the Heat's bench – the Heat are always up. Everyone's up. They're all engaged. They're all cheering. And then the Celtics guys are just kind of sitting there, which is, that's concerning. But when you watch the Lakers, most of the time they're up and they're pretty engaged. But today they were, they looked cocky. They were talking a lot of shit. Like it just seemed, and that's very Clipper-ish, which is clearly part of the reason why the Clippers are no longer in the playoffs. That was concerning. And then Phil Handy gets teed up. I don't know what that was about. That was weird. I've never, I don't remember the last time I saw an assistant coach get teed up. But it was a, a pretty uncharacteristic of the Lakers tonight, the way their bench was acting. It's I, at least I think I don't know. I guess I never really noticed it that much. So yeah. they're a super hype. They're a super hype bench, and they're like I think they're one of like the top chemistry teams in the league, and I think that shows. But I agree with that. I think what you saw today was that they gassed themselves up too much coming into this game. They hyped themselves up too much coming into this game, knowing how important it was, and and kind of. I think, especially winning game one, like they did, you know, it was, it was a pretty, pretty substantial win and a pretty, like, kind of definitive statement when they've been pretty sloppy in game ones this whole playoff series. And, and even in the seeding games, you know, they looked like they weren't taking things serious. So I think they, they went out game one and tried to show people what they can do when they take it serious. 
And then that kind of worked against them going into this game. Dwight was way too hype. Like I, I could picture yeah. Dwight in front of a mirror pregame hyping himself up. Like you, you, you can lock down Jokic. You know, you're a three-time defensive player of the year. This guy, you know, you could see that on the court and it kind of worked against them. You know, what's funny about Dwight is everyone thinks that Caruso is a nerd, but I think Dwight is the biggest nerd on that team. Dwight might be the biggest nerd in the NBA. What, what do you got, Alex? What are you going to say? No, I just, I've never seen a guy that never, ever thinks he's committed a foul. Like he's just, well, that's, that's a lot. Of, isn't that a lot of guys in the NBA? No, not like him, dude. Like he had five obvious fouls tonight <laughs> and every single one of them was like theatrics to the ref afterward. It's like, dude, you, you, you hit Jokic in the face. Like it's a foul. Like it just is. And he's still chirping. You know what? I, I, I'm telling you, he's number one on my rankings. Yeah, he's one. That's fair. Of- but you know what? I, I'm going to give Dwight all the credit in the world in these past two games because coming into this series, I was talking about how if Jokic plays like this and can somehow get past the Lakers, he's he's approaching Hall of Fame territory type player. And he's he played pretty good in the second half tonight. But for the most part, he has not been himself in this series. And in particular, you could just see that from the three-point. He didn't take a three in game one. And he didn't make a three until the fourth quarter of game two. He's just not... They're forcing him to be much more of a po- like a traditional post player. And he passed the ball. He only had two assists in game one. He's passed the ball a lot better tonight. But he's, you could tell he's frustrated, and that's Dwight. And yeah. I think if AD has to guard him consistently... That could be true. Uh, he's he you you could also tell he's just more confident shooting over AD for some reason. It's not like AD's like with the wingspan, AD's probably longer than Dwight. But for some reason, Jokic when he faces up AD, he, he just looks like he's more comfortable. When Dwight is on him, there was he seemed a little more hesitant. So I, I give Dwight. I know he struggled in the second half and he fouled a lot, but I give him credit because he's doing exactly what you're supposed to do in that situation. Like. You're not going to shut down one of the most talented players in the NBA, but piss him off, you know, get him out, get him out of his comfort zone. It kind of seemed like to me in the fourth quarter, Jokic before, I think he scored 11 straight in that fourth quarter. And like something clicked or he's like, I, I kind of have to force things in terms of scoring because he's such a good passer and he he's such a willing passer that like, I think he would just prefer to play within the offense. But it seemed to me like he's like, okay, my team really needs me to get a couple buckets in a row here. And uh, I thought it was going to be enough. And and then Anthony Davis crushes them. But Also good for AD because Barkley sort of crushed him at halftime. He basically said he's not that guy. He he literally said the whole halftime was basically at Barkley saying AD is not the guy he was in the second half, which is crazy for them. Rube, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say this series is going to be 4-0 or a gentleman's sweep. And but it's interesting because it, I think there'll be competitive games, even maybe another game similar to this. But I just think, but I also, I'm going to be really interested to see the finals because I think both the Heat and the Celtics are better than Denver. So I think it's going to be an int- I think it's going to be a better series, a better finals either way than people think. I think I think a lot of people assume the Lakers are just getting in and running through whoever comes out of the East. But I think they're both better. So let's talk. I want to talk about that series. Let's uh, let's get to that. Um, so we didn't, we haven't been on since game two. So the heat won game two, uh, Celtics won game three. 
That's right. So it's, we were on after game two. I think I misspoke. Were we? Because you, you said I was out of my fucking mind when the Celtics, I said the Oh, Celtics yeah, that's right. Because we were, because that's right. Rube knows. And I said, I guarantee. I, listen, I, I listened to that one. I, I, I listened did, to that. I did the Barkley. He was out of his fucking mind to think that the Celtics could uh, win this series. I and then, and, and, uh, and I guaranteed that the Heat were going to win the series. I did the Barkley guarantee. The guarantee. Yeah, yeah. Well, he here's one like, here's ones. one thing that I love. I don't. I don't. I don't love one way or the other who wins. But here's one thing I've been waiting for this. I get to shit on Jimmy Butler because so far, what he's been doing, I haven't gotten to shit on him because he's come through in the clutch for them. But I'm gonna. I'm just gonna say like, there's there's a million probably things you could point to what with what happened with the heat in this game right in game three so now it's 2-1 Heat. jimmy butler takes 13 shots i 17 points but he only took 13 shots he only had nine shots going into the fourth quarter he hasn't taken more than nine shots in the first three quarters of any of these three games and the heat have been down by double digits in the second half of all three of these games so it's it's almost and obviously Jimmy Butler's not LeBron or AD. So I'm not even putting him on that level, right? But when you're the best player on an Eastern Conference Finals team who says you can score whenever you want, if your team is struggling, you have to shoot the ball. He was a non-factor offensively. Like literally a non-factor, more so than other games. Like he was passing up layups. I just don't get like what do you need to see in a game? Like they could have they 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 almost cut the 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 deficit to like six points, late in the fourth quarter with him being non-existent. I just don't understand if it's like we said last last time. Maybe if he scored early in the game, they wouldn't be down by double digits every yeah, game. He wouldn't need, yeah, it's almost like it's like I see what, exactly what you're saying. It's like a almost becoming like a point of pride with him, and it's it might end up hurting the team. He's trying to be such a team player that he's actually hurting the team, like. Dude, like NBA teams need their best scorer to be active throughout the game. Well, and the, the Laker game is a perfect, the Laker Nuggets game, game two is a perfect example. Teams' defenses get better in the playoffs. Defense gets better in the playoffs. So your best players have to score. Like, I, I understand that the Heat do have a really, really good offense and they move the ball around and they're really talented. They have great shooters. They just have talented players. And I mean, Tyler Hero has been playing out of his mind. Bam has been playing out of his mind. But, like, you had to assume at some point Goron was going to sort of come back to earth a little bit, right? And he had a bad game in game three. Jimmy Butler's got – he's got to do something. He has to do something because you can't you can't take 13 shots in a game when your, your team – your offense is struggling and your leading scorer in the playoffs that can't score. Goron. And it's not taking anything away from the from, – look – Anytime you get 85 points combined from Tatum, Brown, Kemba, and Marcus Smart, you're you're gonna have trouble winning. It, it's a tough. That's tough to beat. But it would be a little less. It would be a little. It would be a little less tough if your best player would even attempt to sh- like would not pass up layups. Yeah, I want to get Ruben's take on this series because Ruben is Miami through and through. Although he's a Lakers fan, so what is what is kind of like the pulse that you're seeing in Miami? from uh from a non-homer perspective well it's it's pretty 
pretty funny because I, I talked on the on the Lakers chemistry and them being like one of the top five, you know, best chemistry teams in the league. I've been inside, you know, the Heat locker room, you know, a half dozen times this year um, at their games reporting and stuff. And the Heat are one of those teams that every single player on that team likes each other. Every single player on that team is close-knit, tight-knit, and, and they get along. Jimmy Butler is best friends with Goran Dragic. Their locker rooms are their, their lockers are right next to each other. They get along as well as any two players I've ever seen. And they 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 exchange in front of people more than any two players I've ever seen. Because a lot, a lot of guys, when, when those locker room doors open, you know, they're not going to show you their, their personalities. They're not going to talk with each other like that. You can almost hear the conversations while you're waiting outside to get in. And then when you get in there, everything gets really dry and no one, but Jimmy Butler and Goran are not like that. Bam Adebayo and Derek Jones Jr., those guys are super tight. They love playing basketball with each other. These guys, and these guys believe in each other and they all buy in. Like it, it, it gets to a level of, of kind of like corniness and cliche when it comes to the heat and like, you know, the heat culture and stuff like that. But they know how to get the best out of their players. Eric Spolstra is probably a top three coach in the league. You know, you might be able to argue me down to top five, but they know how to get the best out of these guys. They know how to put guys in, in positions to, to succeed. Like that team is just good. Like it's just, it's just a from top to bottom of combination of the guys like each other. They have good players and they know how to maximize the stuff from those players. Like no one, no one was, was going around shopping for Jay Crowder you know, at the trade deadline and stuff like that. You know, he was kind of like an after, the heat. afterthought. Right. He was an afterthought, and and, and he's shooting 40% from three on, on eight attempts a game in these playoffs. Eight attempts. That's, yeah, that's I'm still crazy. waiting for that. I'm still waiting for that to regress, too. But I don't know, man. It's crazy. And, and, and everybody should be. But it's just one of those things where they literally maximize everything. Derek Jones Jr. plays 15 minutes a game, and, and he goes, they tell him, go out there in those 15 minutes and run around like a crazy person. Go flying, go jump, go go dunk, go block, go do this, go get in. You know, it's they have a they have an amazing blend of players. Like I would not, I would not want to see the Heat in the NBA Finals. Not saying that they would beat the Lakers or anything like that, but it's just one of those teams where you just don't want to you don't want to match up against that. them. You That's know good. that anything anything that they bring is gonna be is gonna be thorough, is gonna be thought out, and it's and it's gonna be a legit challenge. Like those guys are legit. But Jimmy Butler's gonna have to shoot. He has to shoot. No, you're, you're right. He has to shoot. And he, he, he has one of these things and, and I don't want to compare him to LeBron. It's not a LeBron comparison, but LeBron goes in these stretches sometimes where you can visually see that he's not comfortable with his jump shot and he's not comfortable with himself attacking. And it might be a confidence thing or, or whatever. It just might be that, that it's just part of the system. But Jimmy Butler has stretches where you can tell that no matter what opportunity he's given, he, he wants to go in a different direction. He doesn't want to attack. He doesn't want to shoot. And he's going to have to fight through that because I'm, I'm of the mind like that, you know, Jimmy Butler's contested jumper on, on a, on an average defender is, is a better shot than, you know, Andre Godala mid range, you know, stuff like that. You have to do it. You have to do it. But also he, he, he's only shooting six free throws a game in this series. And I think he averaged like nine a game in the regular season and he can clearly get to the line almost any time he wants. So that's only that's the only reason he scored 17 points in this game, in, in game three, because he gets to the line. 
But like, again, it's just to me, it's like part of it, like, especially if your team is struggling to score. If you take over, you energize your team. And I think you, in, when when the ball's not going in for other guys, if the best player just takes over and goes and starts getting a few buckets here and there and keeps you like, again, I'm going to keep going back to LeBron and the, I'm going to keep going back to the Lakers, even though I get it. It's not the same thing. Right. But in the first quarter of game two, the Nuggets were winning and the, and the Lakers could not hit a shot. It could have easily been a 10, 12 point lead for the Nuggets. And LeBron was like, no, he just went and he ended up with 20 in the first half. And the story of this game is not even LeBron anymore, right? Like LeBron is that is a, is a secondary thought in that game because of what AD did in the second half. But if LeBron doesn't in the first quarter when he sees his team struggling, say, "All right, now I'm going to take you guys, and I'm going to bring us, I'm going to keep us around in this game," then they lose that game. That's all. I'm not saying Jimmy's got to go out and get 40 every night or even 30 every night. He just got to he's got to become aggressive when he sees they're struggling, which has been, which has really been every game. It's been every game so far. I mean, they, they're up 2-1, and I'm going to say this. I think they're winning game three, but still, I mean, game four, but they've struggled. They've, they have struggled, and they've, they've been able to fight their way back so far for the most part, but it's going to get tougher if he doesn't score. Yeah, and I just, I mean, Celtics won this game by 11, but, like, the series is so goddamn tight. It's not even funny. Um, so, like, I mean, these games, I I think the rest of the games are going to come down to those final couple minutes. And it's a shame if it's because of that because Butler won't be aggressive in the second and third quarter. Like, it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me when he's he's clearly their, their – if he's not their best option, he's their top two option. Um, 13 shots is just not enough. It just isn't. Right. No, it's totally. So he's taken, he took 14 shots in game one. That one was overtime, right? Game one. Yes. So he took 14 shots in overtime game and he took 11 shots in game two and then 13 shots in game three. I mean, that's, it's just not enough. And there's other things, but I mean, like the heat, the heat, the Celtics shot 59% against the zone in game three. So that, I mean, you got to get out of it if that's what's happening. Um, and I, I, I still wouldn't mind seeing Spo. Like, I, I know he probably doesn't want, they probably haven't practiced it much, but I wouldn't mind seeing him try to go to some of the gimmick stuff that Nick Nurse did, the box and one and the triangle and two, just to see. I mean, like I said, Kemba, those guys combined for 85 points. If you just shut down Kemba, which is what all Toronto did to get it to game seven, I mean, you probably win that game, but like I said, I think uh, I think Jimmy, I, Jimmy again. I keep comparing him to LeBron, and, and I'm not comparing him in a talent way, but I'm comparing him in a mentality way, right? I think he's similar in a sense that he hears what people are saying. I think Jimmy is the he's definitely the kind of guy who hears what people are saying, and now for the first time in the playoffs, I'm not the only one talking about the fact that Jimmy Butler disappeared in that game. Like Mark Spears tweeted out Jimmy Butler had 74 touches in game three, which is the third most touches he's had since the restart. And he averaged a touch length of 3.8 seconds, which is his second lowest in a game where he's had 50 touches. He's just, he's just like giving the ball. It wasn't doing anything, but Mark Spears is a lot more uh, 
legit, I guess. I don't know if legit's the word, but he's more well-known than I am. So there's a lot better chance that Jimmy Butler's seeing Mark Spears' tweets than my tweets. So I, just, I think Jimmy Butler's listening to every every episode of this. And I also, I also think, like, the, I, I said this after last series, too. I said, how are the Heat going to handle when they're the hunted and not the hunters? And I think losing this game gives them back that sense of, even though they're up in the series, that's the thing they need to be like, all right, people are going to, people think there's some people saying Boston should be up 3-0 because we've struggled in every game or that they should be up 2-1 and they'll use that. And that's why I think, I think they end up bouncing back pretty strong. And I, and I, and I think Jimmy takes 20 shots in game three, just cause I think he, I think he knows he's got game four. Be, you mean, yeah. God, game four. Keep saying game That'd three, be- game four. Yeah. I th- okay, I'm, I'm going to gonna jot that one down. 20 shots. What's that, Rube? He has to. He has to, he has to take those shots. He has to attack. Like, what you kind of hit on it earlier. Like, this is the playoffs. It's about your best players. You know, he's, he's the best player on this team. You could argue that Bam is. But whichever way you, you slice it, he's either the best or the second best player on this team. And he's, you know, he's on the wing. He's not, he's not a big. It's his responsibility in in scoring droughts in the in in when 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 the system isn't going their way. It's his responsibility to keep them above water, mm-hmm. and he can't be out there playing hot potato with the ball like that stat you just you just you just cited. Like he needs to attack, and he needs to either get to the line or just get to the basket. If he's not confident in his jumper, and he's not a jump shooter, you know what I mean? Like he's he. He's a big shot maker, but he needs to find ways to attack and he needs to keep his team above water when they go on these droughts because you can, it's not, it's not reliable. They've done it. They're, they're almost nuggets esque in the, in the sense that if they're facing a double digit deficit, that they, they have you right where they, they want you. They almost have that, that, that like perennial quintessential, like dog mentality where they have to be trailing or they have to be kind of like out, to 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 get that you know spark but that's that's that runs out after a while you know this is these are the last four teams playing these are the best teams left so so he has to do a better job um of of keeping them above water when it comes to this stuff yeah yeah unfortunately for some reason the league decided to make game four wednesday night instead of tonight so i will talk more about that game tomorrow i guess or Tuesday or Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Ugh, we gotta wait. We gotta get another day without a game. Um. By the way, I was I should have brought this up for the when we were talking Lakers game. We we crushed ESPN the other day about how bad they were. Alex, yeah, just crushed okay, them. I, think and, I know where this is going. And we we crushed them and talked about how much better TNT is. And then TNT was like, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, we're better." Here's Reggie Miller and Chris, Chris Weber for the whole Western Conference Finals. Like, you have Stan Van Gundy, who's art, in my opinion, is the best announcer there is right now, analyst or whatever they call those guys. He's the best there is right now. And you decide, not, let's not just take one of our hor- horrendous announcers, let's take both of them. So we can cancel out how good inside the NBA is with how awful Reggie Miller and Chris Weber are. They're so bad, dude. It make I've never enjoyed watching LeBron play basketball less than I do listening to these guys. The other thing is like, it, it's basically unanimous that everyone thinks those two 
aren't enjoyable to listen to. Like, like I've never heard anyone be like, oh, Reggie Miller is really good. What are you talking about? And neither of them, they get stuff wrong so often. Um, so LeBron, LeBron turns the ball over, comes down. I don't know if Denver either scores or they get a turnover. LeBron comes down and has a, a, a dunk. They go down again, comes back down. LeBron turns the ball over and Chris Webber goes back to back turnovers by LeBron. <laughs> like, wait a minute. You were just talking about the dunk. You were just talking about the dunk from a possession before. Like they don't hold them accountable for being terrible. They're just awful. I just, I, I, it's so annoying. No, I'm, I'm with you. They're so bad. Um, by the way, we don't get super political on this show. We really don't get political. But uh, they, play, they had to do an ad read during the show. I think it, it was wh- – who, who was the announcer? Do you know? The, not Chris and Reggie, the other guy. Was it – Yeah, no. I, 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 he barely – I can barely even hear him because – Toughest Reggie, job. I mean, toughest job yeah. in, in show business. But um, he had to do a read for like the election or something like this or something like that. And I, I just – I think they got to change their messaging a little bit here. Just it, – it's listen, people, it's important to vote. And it's important to volunteer and help out with the election. But I think the messaging here might get misconstrued a little bit. Well, the pandemic has caused an unprecedented shortage of poll workers. And that's why more than a vote and the NAACP Legal Defense Fund are asking you to step up and work the polls on election day. I mean, am I wrong? Am, am I wrong here? The messaging is a little, it's a little off. The NAACP is asking you to step up and work the polls on election day. So I, <laughs> I know exactly zero about politics. So maybe that's uh, that's commonplace. Maybe that's terminology that what, they... poll workers. <laughs> yeah, is that as soon I mean, as he I said? Really don't know. As soon as he said poll workers, I was like, all right, cool. They support sex workers. I love it. Well, cool. strippers are not sex workers. It's technically in the in the industry. Okay. Um. But, I mean, am I wrong? Don't should they change room messaging? I mean, you know, you you might have someone uh, copy edit that a little a little tighter. Um, you know, it's twenty twenty, dude. Like, it, there's there shouldn't be anything surprising you anymore. You know, uh, hey, like, if elect- you need more poll workers. Like, you gotta support. It's all about support and positivity, man. Yeah. That's all it is, dude. Hey, on election day, all right, fine. On election day, let's all go work the polls. <laughs> all right, cool. Uh, Rube, who, so every week, what is it? Every week, every this, week. the, the sneaker King power rankings come out on CBS sports.com. Uh, yes, sir. I was looking, how many guys are left? I, I was looking today, bam with bam six right now, I think. And 80 and LeBron are both top five or top four. Right. Tell, tell, um, tell people what what it get break it down for everybody so they can go ch- check it out because it's it's I, I'm sure if you're listening to an NBA podcast you probably into sneakers so there there's no question about who is the authority the, don't listen to what all, all these other outlets are talking about the authority on this on the sneaker NBA sneaker game is is on the podcast right now so tell them a little bit Rube. so I do a uh, weekly you know, NBA sneaker power rankings, cbssports.com. And it's just to, to, to let people know who's really keeping it fresh when they get on the court um, and holding it down with the best sneakers and all that stuff. It's a huge, 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 huge part of the game now. Like it's, 
it's two blending communities. You know, the sneaker community and basketball players have always, always been the biggest influencers when it comes to the sneaker community. So I rank them every week based off of what guys wore, you know, during their two, three games. Obviously now in the playoffs, it gets a little bit tighter. Once it gets to the NBA finals, I just, I do them after each game um, because that's a way better, you know, the, the, the talent pool, the sneaker pool has a, gets uh, shrinks when it comes to that point. But yeah, at this point, you know, you got four teams out there, so you still have plenty of guys to choose from. And the best players usually have the best sneakers. You know, that's not universal, but it's usually how it is. So LeBron, AD, they always come out, you know, um, Bam is really good. Derek Jones Jr., before he signed to Puma, he signed his sneaker deal after, uh, after the dunk contest. He was one of the biggest, biggest uh, sneakerheads in the NBA. He still is. It's just a little bit different. And, you know, the Celtics got a lot of good guys, too. Jason Tatum is, is one of the young faces of Jordan Brand. So it's, it's huge. And, and this is a huge, 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 huge time for sneaker brands. You know, when, when their players are, are in the Final Four and when their players are in the spotlight of the NBA Finals, that's huge. You know, New Balance basically relaunched their basketball, you know, apparel and sneaker business off Kawhi Leonard winning the championship last year and the, you know, the incredible run that he's been on. So I just, you know, I try to keep everybody up to date on, on the best stuff, the latest stuff and uh, what, what everyone's rocking. Yeah. So once a week, cbssports.com. Actually, I have a que- I do have a sneaker question before we wrap up here. Do it, do it. Um, I saw these, these two videos. I think it was on Instagram. It was either on Twitter or on Instagram because it's the only things I'm on. And it, one of them was Jared Dudley and one of them was Quavo. And they took their shoe, they took their shoes and put it in the microwave. They were black shoes. They put them in the microwave. And when they came out of the microwave, they were like rainbow color. Is that so? I didn't understand what was happening. Is that like something that, not, like, that were those shoes supposed to do that? Or is this like a shoe hack that they somebody figured out? Like, if you put these specific shoes in the microwave, they change colors. So, it's not a hack. Um, it's a, it's a special shoe. It's uh, what you're talking about is the Nike SB Dunk Low thermography. So the material on these shoes is kind of like heat activated. So obviously, you know, you walk around all day, like, you know, you take your shoes off and some people worse than others, like your, your feet are hot. This is the, the technology that Nike made these shoes with. They, they react to the thermal, the, the heat produced by your feet. And um, that's why they change colors and stuff like that. It's almost like a heat map, like when you're watching the Weather Channel. So wait, or something they change. Like that. Did, would they'll change colors on your feet too? They'll change. They'll change colors. And you know, like you're wearing them, wearing them all day. They will. They will change colors. This is an all black shoe. You wear them enough. You know what I'm saying? You start running wind sprints into the tunnel, like Jokic was, and they'll they'll start looking like a heat map on the shoe. At least, hey, there, where else are you gonna get this? Where uh, yeah. are you gonna get this stuff? This is the sneaker king. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least I just learned. Like, I, I yeah, I did. I, I had no idea. I saw right all I saw was I was like, hmm, rich people with rich with rich shoes. That's all I could think was like these are some special celebrity type shoes that are that are out there. At least something good I mean, coming. Something good has come out of twenty twenty. Thermal shoes that change colors when you when you walk. Yeah. Those are the only these celebrity guys and these these hoopers are the only guys that you know have a legit chance of getting the shoe. 
That's ah. probably the only the only kind of like spin on it. You know, any these are this is kind of like the the state of the industry too, where just like anything that's really coveted and and something crazy like this, like there's a heat map on your shoe every time you take a step. The shoes changing colors; those are very hard to get your hands on if if you were interested. I know Alex; I saw him perk up when when I said heat I, map. So yeah, yeah, it'll be hard. It takes a lot. Joey, that takes a lot to get Alex to perk up. So <laughs> the thing Joey left out of his story was that he actually tried to put his shoes in the microwave and, and yeah, fuck them all well, up. Yeah, I don't have any shoes left. I've been trying since because like I work, I'm I'm at home now all the time, so I don't wear shoes. I just wear sandals. So I just took all my. Sho- I've been. Just yeah, Quavo's doing it. So well, I, mean, well, I was just seeing. Well, I figured. I figured if I put enough pairs of shoes in the microwave, eventually one of them would just become rainbow colored. It's it's not working out too well. And now we know why. Yeah, now we know why. All right, Rube. Awesome episode. Appreciate you coming on. Um, we'll uh, we'll see everyone. We'll talk to everyone tomorrow about something. Find out then. Good that's a, exit that's, there, that's yeah. a tease. <laughs> <laughs>